Welcome back to your favorite real estate podcast. It's Real Estate Investor MBA. I have the pleasure of being your host. My name is Tejas Gosai. My partner, Jeremy, couldn't make it today. He is flying to Wyoming, but I promise we're going to have an awesome show. We have Devin Elder on today, and the guy is just so wicked cool and brilliant with what he does. He'll talk about the 5,000 doors in multifamily I and mean, some great things. I'll give you his bio in a second, but I wanted to encourage you to check out our website, rei.mba. We are very thankful to everyone who has made our show possible. This started out as a COVID project and just took off. We have over 60 guests that we've interviewed and uh, we take time to really get the best folks on the program. And we take a lot of time to pick topics that we choose to discuss. We also have articles on our website now. So there's something called market intelligence on our website. So click on it. You'll see a bunch of articles that our team is putting together. We are finding... what we think are the best and most interesting educational for our group of listeners. You guys appreciate you. Love you. We also have inventory now nationally and off market inventory. And one cool thing we added is something called the real estate roadmap. You can sign up. It's free and it will take you to a little switchboard that can show you how to buy your first multifamilies and a set of podcasts and transcripts about those topics. We also have 1031 exchange and how that works and how you can flip your real estate into other properties, save on taxes. We have segment on or a section on asset management. So we have like five hours on just asset management, triple net properties, folks in the passive side, why they invest in those properties, high net worth individuals, things like that, bankers. So check out our website, rei.mba. And let's get into our guest. So Devin Elder. He's the founder and CEO of DJE Texas Management Group, a vertically integrated multifamily investment firm based in San Antonio, Texas, my favorite city. Since 2012, the firm has completed hundreds of successful investment projects, including many full-cycle multifamily investments. Devin has been a principal in over 5,000 doors of multifamily. Devin is a helicopter pilot, podcast host, an owner of a real estate consulting firm, a brokerage, and the DJE Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit supporting local charities. Devin's amazing. And one little tidbit I wanted to tell you I found about him is Devin and his family are very interesting. Yes, he's a pilot. He he flies planes and helicopters, plays golf. And listen to this. They spend time with his family at the Eventide Ranch, the Elder Family's South Texas Wild Animal Preserve, home to a variety of exotic animals, including kudu, springbok, black buck, and there's a zebra named Pete. So cool. Very, very cool. I want to take a minute though and say, you know, there are people out there that I I like to tell everyone in the beginning of the program to brag about yourself. And the reason I do that in the beginning, and then I, I ask them how they got there is I want the listeners to understand that you can do this. My first multifamily deal was difficult. I sat on the sidelines for a long time. Um, I was cultured differently. I kind of grew up in real estate, but that doesn't give me a benefit. And there's plenty of people who never had that start. It's really doing the education, figuring out what will work for you, packaging up yourself to go to a bank, scouring inventory, underwriting, doing a lot of analysis. But you can end up like one of the Devon elders in the world, you know? He talks about how 
trading, you know, money for time and making sure that he's with his family and the systems and automation that he sets up to be able to do what he's doing on the scale that he's done it in the short amount of time that he's done it is profound. So paying attention to somebody like him and then really studying these guys that we have on our podcast and girls, they're brilliant. So you can just Google search them. And you know what? I bet you a million dollars, you can find their phone number, you can call them and you can ask them a bunch of questions. But if you're going to do that, you want to be prepared, right? That's the big thing in real estate. Get prepared, know what you're doing, strike. You can end up like a Devin Elder or some of these other guys on our program. And I encourage you to do so. Check out our website. Love you guys. Cheers. Hey guys, Real Estate Investor MBA. You just heard about Devin. Devin, thanks so much for being here. Pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. How are you? Great. Read your bio. You're all over the place. You've had a lot of success. You know, some of our listeners are first time investors or they're trying to get their feet wet. So please brag about your success to kind of tell people, you know, where you are now and, you know, then a little bit of how you get. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, where the portfolio is today, I've been a principal in over 5,000 doors of multifamily. Most of that we own and manage all the way through the whole stack. So we're, we're vertically integrated, own the management company. We've got about 70 employees here in Texas. Uh, we've also purchased over 5,000 acres of rural rural lands. We do some of that. We've done some construction as well. So I'm the principal and founder of my company, DJE in San Antonio. And that's that's what we do. We mostly buy and run large multifamily. Yeah. In a very specific method, a proven algorithm, I can say now. There's people like you that do things. It's rocket science, you know, from where I am. Yeah. Let's start with some of the basics though. How'd you start with real estate and some of the beginning fun stuff? Sure. I, I didn't come to real estate investing until I was in my 30s. So when I see these kids at a meetup that are 22 and they want to learn about multifamily, I tell them, I mean, you kind of go anywhere you want with this. If you if you really, obviously it's a lot of work and you've got to apply yourself like anything worthwhile, but if you pursue it, boy, it's, the sky's the limit. So I started with a single family rental that I purchased. I hired a coach, was the first thing I did, and that proved to be a good move. Helped me kind of cut some cycles out, push fast forward button, did the now infamous Burr method, bought it with a hard money lender, renovated it, refinanced out almost all my capital, put a tenant in there and that had cash flow. So that house was, uh, I bought it for under $40,000. You know, that house probably worth $200,000 today. I saw the light with that deal. I said, wow, you know, I hired this coach. They told me what to do. I did it. And now I have this asset, like meaningful equity in it. And I thought, gosh, if somebody would have shown me this in high school, that would have really been nice. Maybe when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So I ended up doing 10 single family houses the next year and then ended up doing hundreds of flips and all this crazy stuff. Wait, what year you... 2012 was the first one. And then 2015 was my first multifamily. It was a six unit that I bought just me in the bank. In fact, it was a lender that I'd used on some single family. And this six unit cost about as much as a single family. I think I bought it for 180 thousand dollars. So it was a, you know, $35,000 equity commitment for me. It's literally like buying a house. It was on the South side of town. I ran it all myself. I was the one out there signing leases on the hood of the car on a Sunday dealing yeah. with a pretty rough tenant base, but I, I wasn't ready to raise capital. I just thought I have to at least do a multifamily as small it is, as it is on my own. The funny thing was though, I had been using private lenders for several years. So I borrowed millions of dollars at this point, just one off. Hey, you loan me a hundred grand. I'm going to flip this house. I'll pay you 11% interest or whatever. People like that. I like yeah. that. And so, so it took me going through that, borrowing all this money one off and returning it. Okay, that went well. Let's try it again. Okay. And like dozens of this of this uh, cycle to really kind of run the numbers and go, well, you know, I've raised millions of dollars. It's just been one project at a time. I think 
think with the proper guidance and team, I can probably do this in one shot. And so that's when I moved into a 75 unit with two other GP partners. So I was definitely not flying solo yeah. and raised a couple million bucks for a deal. And from after that, man, we were off to the races. Yeah, 130 the, the, units, 250. That was the break and yep. you just catapulted. That's I love hearing that, man, because people people don't get that. Ah, you know, everyone says it like you got to start summer, got to start summer. But you did a couple of the, the right things. So you went with a coach. Probably, did you have a property management company in the beginning or did you do no, it all yourself? Yeah, all myself. But getting to scale, only, you know, bringing in two GPs, you must have talked to those guys for a long time to set it up to be able to pull something like that up. How long do you look for that asset that made the break? It was months. And fortunately, they kind of brought it to me and asked me to be a part of the GP. And so that was a little bit of a shortcut. We had a minuscule equity portion. I mean, investors owned almost all of it. Then you split it three ways. We're basically working for free. Fortunately, I did put $150,000 of my own money as an LP in the deal as well. That ended up doing quite well. That was an incredible amount of work and I almost like a, like an apprenticeship. And it taught me a lot about what I wanted in partnerships, what I didn't want, what kind of deals I wanted to pursue. I mean, a lot of this journey for me has really just been a process of elimination of doing something and going, well, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. I don't ever want to do that again. (laughs) You do that a thousand times and you're left with, well, what we do today. And so it really has been a process of elimination. But then after the 75 unit, you know, I think I'd earned my stripes. I'd proven to myself that I could do this. And I went out and bought a 130 unit effectively by myself. I had another partner that helped me with some of the balance sheet and liquidity requirements that the lender needed, but they were pretty much hands off other than that. And that was the real deal, you know, looking at this 130 unit property going, man, all right, I bought this thing and I'm in. And ever since then, we've really just kind of been rinsing and repeating. I built a management company along the way after some bad experiences with third party management. I know, shocking. But finally just got so fed up on a couple of deals that it was really out of pain and necessity that I created a management company. And that's turned out to be a real real blessing. I mean, we've grown a fantastic company with a great culture and created a lot of opportunities for people that I'm really proud of. Because at this point, it's a lot more about, you know, what opportunities can we create for people, employees and investors. And that's kind of what keeps me going today because I, I don't need to do more deals. It's It's been very financially rewarding, but I like doing this stuff. I like having the company and I like seeing other people kind of get to excel, whether that's on the investor track or whether that's on the employee track. Mentorship. There's people like you that are trying to help people. Yeah, you got You said earn your stripes. You got to pay your dues to earn your stripes. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the helicopter training may have helped with a lot of this. I read in your bio that you still fly helicopters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what the helicopter's done for me is I've, I've got one of these brains that doesn't turn off. A few years back, I took up aviation as a way to just absorb some time and money, right? I had a lot of time and money and it's actually given me a great- uh, Several years now. Okay. It's given me a great outlet because when you're flying, you really have to focus on that and and something else to focus on because I realized at some point when I grown my company and really delegated a lot of the pieces that I realized I was now tinkering in my business because I just have to always be doing something. And I realized I was probably unhealthy. I have leaders in my company for different divisions. They're doing their jobs. It's time for me to let them do their job, focus on being a visionary and building the, the vision for the future of the company. But I had to step out 
of some of the day-to-day for the sake of the company, really. And aviation's been, I mean, it's all consuming when you're learning it. <laughs> so it yeah. was, really, it was well, really something good to put my focus into that it wasn't tinkering with the business, which was already I, running. It, it has to be that way because I've had a uh, few folks on, like Whitney Sewell. He's a ex-military. Oh, sure. Pilot. Yeah. I know Whitney. Anyway, just a lot of folks that take those transferable skills. And I mean, destroy the business. That's the way it should be. Like really doing good work, helping families, working with investors. Like it's in a, in a sense, you know, like there's no way you're not going to do this the right way. And then you've had to mitigate a lot of risk in, you know, flying a helicopter, but the deals that you look at, the underwriting you have to do, you, you know, all those pieces of it, how much you still do right now? I try to really, my goal is to do nothing, but that's like an impossible, it's like a horizon, right? You're aiming for it, but it really doesn't exist. You're never going to get to the horizon, but it is a helpful mechanism to aim at. And so I'm constantly asking, do do I need to be doing this, right? Any of the tasks, I've done them all. I've had to wear all the hats. I've gone from wearing all the hats to, to really wearing a few. And so today, you know, we've got a team that does underwriting. We've got the property management company. We've got asset management. We've got investor relations. We've got full finance team. So all those pieces are there. I am here now as really the biggest investor in all the projects. So, you know, that's, kind of, that's obviously an important role. Big deal. Uh, but where I kind of enjoy my time in the companies is building the future right what is the vision for the for the future of this company and i i'm a big fan of coming up with a concept or an idea building it fine tuning it putting the team together and then handing it off and i i really just done that over and over it's kind of my favorite thing and so my skill these days is finding good people you know yeah. uh dan sullivan's book who not how is kind of my mantra these days who can do this piece you know we need this for marketing we need this for whatever the case is who can we get in there i have a very clear vision for it. I'm getting better and better at translating that and handing it over for somebody to execute. By doing that, we can really kind of do anything, right? I mean, yeah. I, I've been a constraint in our business at so many points because like many entrepreneurs, you think nobody can do this X, Y, Z, but me. So you do that for a long time and then you find somebody that's good at it and they take it off your plate. And so now I've just have enough, I've had enough evidence of people going, coming in, taking over something, doing it as good or better than me, at least that piece of it and going, wow, I'm freed up from that. You know, I can kind of take it to the next level. So just lots of positive experiences with that. Lots of painful experiences too, and learning how to, how to hand off stuff. It's kind of maddening as an entrepreneur to try to hand stuff off. But I think any entrepreneur that's achieved any scale will tell you that's, that's what you have to do. So the vision, obviously the capital, you know, is a huge piece of it. You know, you have a lot of investors. It's, it's true. The scale part of it is you, you just have a lot more people that you have to communicate with that trust you. I don't know. That's how I just envision it. People are just relying on you so heavily. They want to hear from you. 100%. Yeah. So I do the podcast. I think that's a great way to kind of stay in touch with people. The yeah, best uh, podcast around. Please listen, guys. Thank you. But, you know, we'll talk. I'll talk to investors and we'll have a, a meeting or face-to-face or whatever. And people say, oh, yeah, we've been, we've been listening to podcasts. You know, it's good to check in on what you're up to and hear from you, even if we're not having a direct phone call. And then we have an investor relations director that just has done a fantastic job. He's really built the relationships. And, you know, that was a huge growth inflection point for 
trust being able to hand that off. And people really trust him and like him and he does a great job. And so that frees me up to do more, you know, speaking or vision type stuff. Just always asking, you know, what is my highest value for this organization? Because really, look, we're just stewards of capital and time, right? And and capital really is just distilled time. So at the end of the day, I'm trying to be a good steward of mine and other people's time that they've trusted me with. And so always ask, how do I be the best steward of this time that I've been given my own and other people's? And love just trying it. to fine tune that. Yeah, love the philosophy. How about current market crazy stuff? Because people rely on you, people rely on me and my fund, my commercial real estate business. And just without me saying anything, people are scared, yada, yada. What do you say to the folks right now? Yeah, definitely seeing that. I mean, I've got several buddies that are raising capital for deals. I'm putting capital in some deals that are getting done right now. You know, as we're speaking, I don't have a multifamily deal in our contract. I mean, everything we've been throwing against the wall is just not sticking. You know, prices are maybe at a discount. That's great. Flip side is obviously the debt markets are not where we want them to be, which is why prices are at a discount. So we just haven't been able to get a deal to pencil in previous times in the market. You know, we've made an offer. It's not quite there. And I can come up a hundred grand. I can come up 200 grand. I could come up 500 grand. I don't love it, but we're going to make the deal done. The last couple of months, I'm just not willing to do that. Here's my number. They counter. I need to come up quarter million bucks. I'm sorry. This is my line in the sand. I can't cross it. And so we're losing all, all the deals in the last few months, which I'm fine with. So in terms of investor sentiment, we've launched some other deals that are outside the multifamily stuff. We do some land stuff and those are kind of rinse and repeat. Investors are used to them. So we've had zero pushback on that. On the multifamily stuff, we just haven't launched a deal since Q1. We as a firm have not gone through a multifamily capital raise. Our stuff is so relationship driven though. Mm. Yeah, but just with our investors. You know, if we're taking something out to investors, they're most of the time they're repeat investors. They've been with us for years. If we're telling them we like this deal, a lot of times they're at this point, they're just going to say, then we like it too. So, but I, I am hearing a lot of stories of people that are maybe newer raising capital that could do it pretty easily in Q1 of 2022 that are, it's a different slog here in the middle of 2022, but not impossible. You know what I tell everybody is we always have headwinds of some variety and we always have some sort of tailwinds and it's our job to just navigate that like yeah. any business owner. Thanks for that. And the geopolitical market, some of this other, you know, crazy stuff that's going on leading to some issues. How about specific markets that you're looking at and maybe deal size? Some, you know, can you give us some criteria? Well, it's historically been San Antonio used to be a hundred plus. Now we're really looking for 250 plus San Antonio, 250 plus 80s, 70s, 80s construction. That's really kind of been our MO for forever. Um, we've expanded into some land stuff, into some industrial stuff. It's obviously different parameters. We are considering looking at other markets for multifamily. Have not done anything to date, at least as an operator. I'm an LP investor in a lot of deals and, and in some different markets, but obviously that's very different. But Texas is so strong. The migration trends are so strong here. If we're going to look, it's going to be within Texas. So mm-hmm. there's Houston, Austin, Dallas are kind of the big ones. Fort Worth is one one that we've maybe been exploring. Are there smaller tertiary markets? We did a deal in a town called Seguin, which is kind of between Austin and San Antonio. Did great. I I would love to buy 10 more deals there. So, you know, if there's smaller markets like that where the lender would still be comfortable with it, we'd be comfortable with it. But we're trying to buy a thousand units a year. And historically, we kind of have been able to do our deals in San Antonio, which is so much easier for a variety of reasons. If we can keep doing that, we will. But at some point, we may need to expand to some other probably Texas markets. That is 
crazy. Very busy. How about your relationships with the brokers and folks that in those places that are, you know, feeding you information, probably a little bit less than it was a while ago, or how's it looking? The brokers, I think, are, are calling us now, right? Just because the, the the deal flow is so, uh, so slow because of the debt markets. I mean, they're really trying to sell us deals. But in San Antonio, it's the same as it's ever been, right? You know, it's the same handful of brokers that we've known for years, you know, have sold our deals, we bought deals from them. So that it's just kind of the same deal. It's really, I think everybody's just kind of waiting for the debt markets to to loosen up a little bit, get leverage. Yeah. And, and obviously interest rates are, are impacting this stuff. So that's kind of business as usual. If we get into new markets, we'll obviously have to build some, some new relationships, but we're really not at that point at, right now. Tremendous. Thanks for all of this. Let's switch gears for a second. You're big on the education side. You know, you mentioned your podcast, very successful uh, apartment educators. I think that's, is it apartmenteducators.com? Right? That's it. Yep. Yeah. Can you talk about that and some of the people you've taken from no real estate to, you know, successful? Yeah. That started out of me getting a lot of requests. Hey, can I buy you coffee? Can I take you to lunch? Which early on, you're trying to meet investors. And the answer was always yes. At some point though, I had to create some kind of a filter. I always thought, well, you know, we could create coaching program, but I, I don't have the bandwidth to do anything in terms of marketing or building the website or anything. So it was kind of fortuitous. A friend of mine had had an exit out of a company, didn't have a job. He was in real estate. He wanted to be doing more multifamily. And I said, let's start a company. So uh, he and I, co-founded apartment educators under the premise of I'll do the coaching and I've got the portfolio and the experience. I just, I need you to run all the operations. I can't do any of it. That is what happened. And that's grown. We, we brought on a CEO and that team's growing and it's really cool to see. I was having dinner last night with one of our members and he's got a deal on a contract that I'm going to be an investor in. And I said, what does this get you to? You know, when you close this, he said like, like 550 units, you know, he's got three deals now. And I just thought, man, you know, you just started buying deals in the last year and you got over 500 doors that he's running. I mean, he's running them. So that's really cool to see. It's extremely fulfilling. And to be quite honest, I I had a little bit of a bone to pick with some other groups that I've seen where I just seen some coaching groups that I thought really were not delivering. And I thought we could build a better mousetrap or whatever. (laughs) And so that's been super exciting. We have a smaller group of clients or coaching students or whatever that we spend time with, that we invest with, that we partner with. They're doing deals. Uh, Sometimes our management company will run those deals. And it's, it's really rewarding to kind of see them come up and it's a challenge, right? To get these deals done, but to have the dream and to pursue it and to stick it out and to get the deal done, get on the other side of it and go, okay, I learned a lot. Let's go do another deal. And you know, this mentality that everybody involved can win and there's a lot of deals. It gives me more deals to invest in as as an LP. Um, we're kind of growing our own. I, I joke around that these guys are my retirement plan. Like I need a bunch of you guys to like <laughs> learn this stuff really good. Cause I'm just going to keep investing with you and the checks are going to get bigger every year. So awesome. It's great to hear also, you know, this is about financial freedom, right? That's yes. what we're selling. That's what I've been selling. And it's not really hard to sell. It's like, Hey guys, we're here. This is it. You could do this. Right. And it's just a formula. Going back to your algorithm too, like you've found all these folks to work with, network with. I hate it that we're coming to time, but family, how do you keep yourself motivated? You're, I, I have children. I'm producing at a high level. It's tough to maintain. Yeah. Lifestyle has always been my number one priority. So I actually built the thing from the very beginning around freedom. So I think I've made a lot of decisions that maybe were not profitable, but were 
aligned with my freedom goal. So for years now, since 2015, I have had all the time in the world to spend with Mike. I've married, been married 14 years. I have three children. How old? 13, 10, and seven. Probably. They're actually, their initials are what I name my company after. So like <laughs> very family focused there. So, you know, we put them in private school where they don't go to school on Fridays and we're always going fishing or we'll go in the helicopter or we'll fly down to the beach house. I mean, I'm trying to cram all the memories we can in with them. And, you know, could the business be more profitable if I didn't do that? You bet. But mm-hmm. that's not why I started doing this. I started this for freedom first and everything else behind. Now, it's also like the horizon. Is it always like that? No, it's not always yeah. like that. Sometimes you got to jump in and rescue something. But as the team's grown more and more, I have absolutely as much freedom as, as I want. But I still like, I, I love working. I, I love to work. It's definitely balanced. And I'm a big believer in recovery. So taking time, phone off, outside of the office to recover. And that makes me that much better and more effective when I when I am in the office. Awesome. You have to be like that to produce at your level 5,000 units. It's it's intense. So how does somebody get a hold of you? How does someone work with you? How does someone invest? Yeah. Easiest way is the catch-all, the website, djetexas.com. That's Delta Juliet Echo, Texas spelled out.com. We've got podcasts, forms to contact us. You can see what we're up to, all that good stuff. Yeah. It's in the show notes. Check it out. And tremendous success. Devin, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was good to connect. Yeah. Your story is great. Again, in the show notes, please check it out. You don't get to communicate with people like Devin very often, but you should. And vote of a thumbs up from us at REIMBA. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Cheers. We'll check you guys later.